Hello, hello. Welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast. Eddie's more, aka the Yum Yum Foodie. And the lovely face of Megan is here too. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I know, guys, uh, we're, you know, folks have been sending me messages and just checking in on us. And, uh, you know, to be fair, life happens. And uh, both Megan and I have had some stuff happen in our lives in the past few weeks uh, that have, you know, that have uh, that have definitely taken us away from from jumping on and getting the show in the can. I don't, I don't want to speak on Megan's behalf, but I, I just got back from Miami uh, from seeing my dad and doing South Beach Wine and Food Festival and some stuff for Havana Club Rum. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting trip, Megan. I don't know if you if you saw any of this stuff on social, but my my poor father, man, that the deterioration of that disease is just bonkers, 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 bonkers. Um, what's been up with you? Uh, not much. Um, just working, 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 paying off credit card debt, the usual. <laughs> that's that's the most American thing ever. Actually, it's like paying off paying off uh, credit card debt. Uh, uh, speaking of American, you know, to this week on the show, we are sipping on some good old fashioned American uh, bourbon, American whiskey. And in just a few moments, we'll bring our guest on uh, to just chat about life, about whiskey and uh you know, just let's let's talk about growing up in in Kentucky. One of my one of my favorite places to 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 have visited, great graciously in this country was was checking out Kentucky. Megan, uh, my my dad has I I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it is like it is it, it's almost now it's like I'm talking to a different person. It is the yeah yeah. I took my dad yesterday to like the top Cuban. Well, that's a top Cuban restaurant. It's like the most OG Cuban restaurant in Miami, which is like iconic, a place I used to go to a ton when I was a kid. And uh, needless to say, um, yeah, it was my first time now because, you know, my dad's had this has, has had this disease for a minute. For folks who, who don't know, I was I'm open to talk about it. And, uh, you know, my father has dementia, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. And uh, this last trip with the first time was like, oh, shoot. I need to I need to get my ass here even more often than I'm already getting my ass uh, down to Miami. It is just not uh, it's not fun, Megan. Uh, I I I'm you know my dog Desi. You know Wendy. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm a little torn because I'm I'm cutting off Desi's balls on Thursday. Yeah, you mentioned that, and when you said I'm going through the same um, procedure, I thought you were talking about yourself. Oh, you thought I was gonna? You thought yeah. I was just snipping away? Uh, I yeah. was like, "God damn, finally!" <laughs> yeah, get, we don't need any more. We don't need any more of me in this world. We did. Oh. <laughs> I think one is enough. And uh, then you said your dog, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Now I have nothing to say. No, that's. I mean, you've 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 taken away enough manhood uh, from people that you're definitely an I expert have. in it. You should be a veterinarian. Yeah, it, fix your dogs, people. Fix your dogs, and then don't lie about it. When you ask someone to watch them, oh, are you speaking from personal experience? Old, <laughs> that, that sounds like a personal experience. Big old move. balls, and your dog starts peeing. Oh, it was <laughs> when I, I was doing, doing the rover thing to make up for my lost dog, and this girl's like, my dog's really well behaved, and he's great, and he was really cute. He's a French bulldog. My one of my rules is it has to be fixed, and dog comes over and pees on everything, and the best part was her response. Which when I said, your dog's peeing on everything, come him up. She said these words. Well, have you had other dogs at your place before? <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> you found me on the Rover app. Oh my. No, you're the first and the only. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Make it, I don't, I, would the stuff just like follow you? happen? Because. I, 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 you're like pig pen. There's just like a, a black cloud that just follows you, and and I don't know. I don't. I don't know. How to, like like I, you know. Yesterday, my car got sideswiped at the airport as I'm getting picked up, and I'm like, you know what? This is this is nothing. I guarantee you, if Megan was driving, they would have rear-ended her, thrown a beer in her face, thrown coffee on the front of the car, broken a window, grabbed her purse, and then you know, because mine was a yeah. hit and run. Somebody actually hit my freaking car at the airport, oh, no, and then swiped ran. it, made it look like they were going to pull over so we could communicate, and they just fucking peaced out. 
and I couldn't get out of the car fast enough. You know, and, and imagine the airport finally with no traffic. I couldn't get out of the car fast enough. I had the my, one time you need traffic at LA. I know. I had my dogs in the car. The dogs would have jumped out. You know what I mean? Last thing I need is to is to have a, a you know, a little fucking 13-pound pug and, and my other dog, Indy, just running yeah. down the street. Anyway. You know what, though? For every bad thing, I did – I went upstairs to go yell at my crazy neighbor like we all know. <laughs> Um, I went, I was walking upstairs and I got distracted because there was a bag in the middle of the hallway, not in front of anybody's door, just in the middle of the hallway. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And I look in the bag. There's a full bottle of gray goose, a full bottle of Macallan 12 beer, a full two bottles of Don Julio and a black label Johnny Walker. (laughs) And I, I was like, I should take this. I should take this. I should be a good person. So I did. I t- and turned it in. No one claimed it. So guess who inherited six bottles of booze? Uh, I just imagine that was probably some some somebody that worked for for Drizzly and went to go drop something off at your neighbor at your crazy neighbor's house, and they just heard all the shit coming through the door, and were like, you know what? <laughs> and then there's I'm leaving. <laughs> they just booked it. They just booked it out of there. That is uh, well. That- that's that's some good luck. I've actually had one yeah. good thing for every ten. Uh, irritating things. Speaking of non-irritating and good luck, uh, I am drinking some. So we said I said I was sipping on some good old American bourbon. I'm actually sipping on. I'm gonna grab the bottle for posterity. Uh, I'm sipping on some Russell's Reserve Kentucky Straight six year old rye whiskey. Um, so I, I'm sipping on a little bit of the yummy spicy stuff. And uh, just apropos of of what we're drinking today. Our guest on the show is national ambassador for Russell's Reserve, uh, Russell's Reserve whiskey, and also happens to be a member of the family, uh, uh, definitely in the lineage of of Russell's Reserve. Let's welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast, national ambassador Bruce Russell. Hello, Bruce. Hey, y'all! Glad to be here. <laughs> That's like, you're like the friendliest guy ever. I swear. I, I met I met Bruce at a uh, at a, a hosted tasting experience out here at Employees Only a restaurant in West Hollywood, and I was like, man, I've met so many folks in in like the spirit industry, and I'm I'm like, this is somebody I actually want to talk to who is just you know a not not completely full of himself, um, which could also lead to being an asshole too. So I, none of the two. So I'm really happy uh, that you said yeah to come on the show, and we're getting to drink some of your family's whiskey. So thank you so much. Am I starting off right with the six-year-old, just to make sure? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. That's what I got in my glass, too. Oh, that's what you're drinking now? Is that is that like your 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 like go-to standard sipper? Um, uh, on the Russell side, probably either that or the 10-year, yeah. Okay. And and what 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 about the flavor profile of this leads that to be like your your go-to? Uh, well, it's a little bit lower proof, so it's easier to sip on as like a daily drinker than as opposed to the single barrel. But um, I just really like our style of rye whiskey in the kind of the whole U.S. There's generally two styles, one of which is mostly made uh, in Indiana. It's 95 percent rye and 5 percent malt. It's going to make it sharper, drier and spicier. We do a Kentucky style rye, so a lot lower in rye content, and a little bit more corn. It's just sweeter. So instead of like um, kind of peppery, sharp, grassy. Uh, and sometimes even like mint and dill notes, like you will get on the other eye, which I honestly love. Um, ours is kind of an in-between that and bourbon. So you get a little allspice, uh, a little bit of that sweetness that you get from bourbon. So you get a little kind of both. Yeah. Of the rye, what makes rye delicious and also what makes bourbon delicious. Well, I, I call these rides like they're kind of like, uh, or that style of rye, I call them like a gateway rye. For for the people who are used to you know something with a sweeter profile, this is kind of a nice introduction to transition them into you know the the higher percentage of rye. You know this uh, it's obviously different 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 everything, but in the in the world of being a uh, gateway kind of rye, I, I also I re- I refer to the Angel's Envy rye in that same kind. There's like a sweetness to the. I don't know if their their build is you know what their build is of the, of the rye but there is a sweetness to that particular rye as well that i always say it's like really approachable for somebody who you know has just been drinking straight bourbon and they like that sweetness yeah i'd say you're right on with angels and me theirs is actually not the recipe theirs is that they finish all of their products in a secondary barrel ah so and that so adds a sweetness when you're yeah when you're putting that rye whiskey into a barrel whether it's uh, rum or port or sherry or whatever you want to use, 
it'll sweeten up that rye a little bit. So I may have already I've, finished this. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Megan. I see that. I was going to say alcoholic. Um, <laughs> no, it must be really good. <laughs> um, I was looking at the labels on the bottles and I was wondering like, where did you have any hand in designing this or did this come from way back in a past design or what was the process there? Uh, it's funny you ask because I didn't, it just is sitting here. I didn't actually bring it for the podcast. I uh, was drinking it earlier with a buddy, but I have the original one. You can see how ugly the original label was. Wow, that looks old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really ugly strip label. And the problem was if you drank the bottle past where the lettering is, you couldn't read Russell's anymore. So no one ever bought it from the back bar once you got like yeah. five pours in. Um, so we did not design the labels. That's something that me and my family are, are not very good at. Um, we're, we're really good at the production Honesty's and then key. Campari takes care of all the advertising, marketing, bottling and all that kind of stuff. I think they did an awesome job with the current yeah, models. I was going to say it's appealing. That's what I liked about it, but yeah, know your strengths. Really yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm good at drinking. That's why I don't make it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ultimate consumption. I'm doing a little bit of that now too, is, uh, I actually, um, very recently trans. Uh, transitioned from being the na uh, the national ambassador, global ambassador, whatever my last title was, um, to uh, actually blending now for for the distillery as an associate blender. And that's very recent though, um, and so I'm getting a chance to actually make some of these products hands on, and uh, we'll touch on a couple at the end that actually did help it together. That has got to be super cool, and then also, a, I mean, a shit ton of pressure because let's let's be fair, your you know your grandfather's a master distiller. Your dad is a master distiller, and then you're like, "Oh crap! Here I go. I gotta, you know, you gotta definitely not not disappoint." I guess to them, I, I would figure they're probably the, the 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 strongest audience you've got. It's not too much pressure that you know when they're already so disappointed. Uh, <laughs> Do they know really Megan's parents? They should they should no, hang yeah. out with Megan's parents. No, it's uh, <laughs> I, I get along really well with my dad and granddad. There's actually. from the outside world, to be honest. Um, but it, they didn't want me to get into industry in the first place because most of my life growing up, it wasn't a very good industry. Thankfully, it was by the time I turned 21 and could get a job with the distillery. It was it had just started to become really cool, like right around 2010, 2011. Um, but they've been nothing but supportive. They're awesome, uh, especially my dad. Because uh, him and my grandfather did not have that relationship. Granddad was always really tough on my dad. He wanted to learn it himself you know, old school. Dad's been awesome. He's kind of held my hand as I've grown up in the industry and he's right there in the lab with me now as we're creating new products. So it makes it much easier on me. Wow. But yeah, look, I don't know. I, I just try to think of like work, you know, one thing is like living with my dad, then working with my dad and then having also working with my grandfather. Do you, do you have the out of like complaining about your dad to your mom to get shit done? You know, like, can you complain <laughs> about work? Uh, to your like, uh, like that's just reading about work. No, I'm smart enough not to know to know not to complain at work because Dad's still above me in the company. <laughs> um, but of course, I can always. My mom is definitely you know the person in charge, so I can always go to to Mama Judy and she'll set Dad straight. Um, but no, it's uh it's been really good. Actually, that's the reason why I do what I do. I've told this story a lot, but um, I just started giving a. The summer tours at the distillery is kind of a summer job when I was in college. And uh, my home life with my dad was very introverted person. He's very quiet at home. I didn't really know much about what he did for a living just besides. And I grew up at the distillery and stuff. So I knew like what whiskey was and how it was made, but he never really talked about traveling and meeting people or doing all the things that we really do. And um, if it wasn't for work, I probably wouldn't have got to have like known my dad or even my granddad. And so that's the reason why I'm really in love with my job, why I go to work every day. Cause it, I love working with them because it's a chance to kind of know them really. Cause that's their whole life is, um, you know, they love what they do at the distillery. These whiskeys are their babies. They love all the union workers that work there and everything. So, uh, I feel very described though like if i were to like close my eyes and picture a generational whiskey distilling family <laughs> like they they just epitomized what i would think of it as tough introverted and then you yeah what's your gonna what's your legacy gonna be it's a natural um, yeah probably a lot of rye whiskey i mean uh 
the thing that is different with me than them, I think the biggest difference is how we came up in the industry. I came up in the industry going to bars and restaurants and working on that side of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm a little bit more in tune to what our customers want, want off the bat. Um, where my granddad's whole philosophy is I'm going to make one thing. If people don't like it, then they have bad taste. Like, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I love that. <laughs> that's that's his thing. I'm going to do one thing really well. It's wild turkey one-on-one. And if people don't want it, then I'll drink it. Because, you know, it's it, I think it's really good. And I'm really proud about what I'm doing. And that, that's, yeah, that's not just whiskey. Like, that's totally a generational thing. I mean, you oh, can yeah. just imagine like dinners, you know, with your grandparents. You didn't get a say in what you ate. You ate Absolutely what they, not. they served. Absolutely not. And you cleaned your plate. Yes. And, um, always. <laughs> He's 88 and he was at the distillery today. Uh, I was at the distillery earlier today doing private barrel picks uh, with the state of Alabama's ABC board because it's a state controlled state. So they come and pick out like all the whiskey at once. And Jerry, granddad was there in his van, uh, my granny's van, <laughs> um, to say hi to everybody. He still comes to work every day at 88 years old. 88. During the pandemic, they didn't want him at work because they were just so scared oh, yeah. you know, during the yeah. peak. You know, nobody really knew how bad things were. And so they're just so scared he would get it and die. And so they wouldn't let him come to work. And so at the end of the day, the end of the first union shifts at 3.30, him and my grandma would get in that van and they'd circle the parking lots at 3.30 to make sure everybody came to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> was that, that him circling like LAX yesterday when he sideswiped me? Was that your dad that just drove off and hit my car? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, that was, it was a Honda yeah. Odyssey. I just, I remember that. Um, I'm ready to switch bourbons now. What, what, what am I going to? What am I going to next? We've got a lot to try. If do we want to try them? Do you want to go through and try each one of them as we're uh, here? Do we want to skip? Them? I can I can skip around, please. I'm 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 excited to. I've I've had can a few. The six. Okay. So let's go to the ten next because that's kind of the. Uh, it, it's the thing that started all of this, and I actually have a bottle of that. This one I did bring for the podcast. So the original, which I think is better than that ugly strip label. This was the original Russell's label. It's in a one. Yeah, I was reading about this. Oh yeah, and uh, it. So this was not supposed to be a permanent thing. This was like a lot of whiskey ideas, kind of like a happy accident. So my granddad, right around 98, 99, he started to act like he was getting too old to make whiskey. So he had convinced everybody that he was getting ready to retire. We were owned by Pernod Ricard at the time. And um, they were like, you know, what would be a really good idea if we do this big bash. It'll kind of be for Jimmy's like 45th anniversary-ish. And because at that time, he was the longest tenured master distiller in the world. Oh my um, God. And you know, it's 20 something years later. It's crazy, but uh, they were going to. I started a job right now and consistently I won't ever make it to 45. <laughs> me either. Uh, <laughs> I'll either die before or I won't make it. But yeah. I've been doing the same thing since 1954, which is. Oh amazing. my God. Um, but they throw this big party, his retirement party. Well, he's fake retired a few times. So they throw this huge party, a bunch of distillers it's come Tom in. Brady. He's like Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. That's all I can think of. Uh, governor comes they mm-hmm. have this bottle jimmy gets a nice rolex watch you know and then he just comes to work on monday and acts like none of that happened <laughs> um, he just wanted the rolex yeah and so we had this I'm bottle and everybody loved it at the party so we started to like sell it in our gift center our little uh, gift shop that we used to have and then i think maybe started selling it in kentucky uh and then it had its first uh national release in 2001 um and it really is the foundation for everything else and so the idea behind Russell's is to give people the chance to drink what my family is into at the time. So Wild Turkey is a distillery and is a brand, you know, as everything. It was around before we were, at least in a making capacity. Um, my Jimmy's, my granddad's dad also worked at the distillery. Um, and, you know, his granddad worked at the distillery. Like, we're generational just doing this. But Jimmy was the first one as a maker. So we feel like we're just carrying on a legacy with wild turkey. We just don't want to screw things up. But the Russell's brand, you know, it, it's our chance to put our uh, spin on the style of whiskey that we do. It literally started out as my dad going through warehouses, trying to find whiskey that my granddad had taken a lot of samples out of because that, you know, those are the ones he likes. And then blending those together for this first product. And that's how we think about all of them. There are honey barrels is kind of the industry term. Barrels so good, so sweet, so delicious that you used to not be able to get them. They would either be drank by somebody like me or maybe a union worker that's found it before we have or something, you know, you never mm-hmm. knew back in the day. Um, but uh, now we're able, because the whiskey industry's changed so much, people want small batches and single barrels and 
weird nerdy one-off LTOs and we're able to put all this really good liquid into these bottles now. And we're really excited about it because this is my and dad's favorite thing to do. So in, in layman's terms, let's say wild turkey is designed to be consistently wild turkey as where Russell's reserve may vary from time to time based on, you know, what you're into, what, what, uh, what's, what's tasting good. I would, I would say that the retail bottles won't vary very much. But definitely you will see, you know, Russell 13 is a brand new thing. Um, and when you look at our private barrel selections, most of those are under the Russell's line. And I think those are probably the most weird, unique, interesting, whatever you want to call it, uh, whiskeys that we put out. Um, and even this, you know, this Rickhouse series that we've got going on, that kind of comes from the same thought of, Let's capture kind of lightning in a bottle when we've got something really cool going on in just one rickhouse or warehouse. Let's blend all that together and give people the chance to try something that is really only going to taste like that for this one year. Um, so all of it is based around this aspect of blending things together that we really like. Where when you're drinking Russell's 10, that's just my dad's favorite bourbon. That's what he made. It's that's delicious. what he drinks on a daily basis. He's on vacation right now with my mom. And uh, I think they're out in South Carolina. And uh He's drinking Russell's tin if he's drinking anything right now. My mom's probably drinking a margarita or a really cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that tells you something when you're drinking your own product from by choice. It's pretty great. Um, what does a typical day look like for you in your job currently? Um, a typical day, there's basically three different roles that I'm filling right now. So one of those, and what I did today was barrel picks. And so we have people come that want to purchase their own uh, individual or private barrels. And it could be anything from a state government to um, a liquor store chain to an independent store to just your local bar on the corner. They can buy their own. Um, Is the government allowed to write that off as a business expenditure? I hope so. I don't know. I'm, sure I'm doing it. it. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. <laughs> it's a tax haven, so my brain's in one track. If model. I had a church, I would just buy every barrel as like a sacramental barrel and just not pay any tax on it. There you go. But like if you live in a state like Ohio or it was Alabama today and the state government has control over the liquor, they are the ones that come and purchase the stuff. And then it ends up in stores because of them. Um, so that's one day I'll go to the distillery. Usually first pick happens at about 10 or 11 in the morning. We'll have two or three picks a day. It takes an hour or two. People drink through a handful of whiskeys. They decide they argue back and forth may, might do a blind tasting. And then we sit and hang out. And I think that's something really important. Wow. Our barrel pick process is done by me in person before it was me. It was my dad. We don't have, not that there's anything wrong. Cause I love most people that run these barrel programs, but we want to, build those relationships with our customers hands-on. Another day might be working in the lab. So uh, another thing is I work with two guys, one named Norm Mattella, who's probably tops in the industry in flavor development and product development. And then a guy that works under him, Josh Call, and we'll sit in the lab. Dad oftentimes is there. And we're just sampling stuff. We're trying to come up with ideas of what we could do next with what liquid we have available. Um, so that's more nerdy working in the lab. Um, and it's not as fun as it sounds. We are tasting liquid a lot of times, um, but you're not really getting to drink most of it. You're spitting it out. It's proof down to 40 proof when you're trying it. You know, it's it's you don't just get to sit around and drink good liquid. Um, I wish well, I was going to say just your rocking chairs everywhere. Must be. Yeah. I'd and like then, to go head to head. Yeah, there are. Especially not Jimmy. Especially not Jimmy. Uh, me and dad <laughs> don't even go toe to toe with him. But uh, you, know, you only try about five samples and then you do have to take a break. And everybody kind of has their thing. I don't really cleanse my palate in between. I just drink water. But I know some people like uh, ginger. Um, Jimmy had things that he would smell in between um, uh, so he could go back and pick up more uh, aroma. Um, and then the third thing, which is honestly, as much as I love the distillery is probably my favorite because this is the thing that the job gives me that other jobs where I'm from wouldn't have gave me. Uh, which is I have the the opportunity to travel the world. And uh, so some of my days are coming to EO, you know, and having a dinner with Eddie and uh, that type of thing. And those are my favorite because I'm from a, a place that's only a few thousand people. I went to the same high school my granddad did. Um, there's only one high school for my entire home county. And wow. so it's just a very small, tight-knit community. And the chance to get to travel the world and meet all different kinds of people from all different walks of life. That's the best part of my job. Um, part of it. Oh, sorry. Where's the coolest place you've traveled to for your job? 
the coolest place. Man, he was talking about Miami earlier. Oh, man. It is as like cliche as it is for people that aren't from down there to say it's really cool. I don't know if I've ever been to a more fun place to visit for three days. Um, what? That yeah, sounds about right. I agree with you. That's why I won't yeah. take Megan down there because, you know. <laughs> three days is enough. You are oh, completely well, Three incorrect. days in Miami I ages you three months. There, I, I was supposed to be down there for three days and I stayed a week and a half. Uh, but <laughs> we just had our national conference there and I, I had a blast there too. Uh, Miami's really fun. And a lot of my job, because somebody like me or my dad or my granddad, we very rarely get time on our own. We're usually at attached to another salesperson and our Miami rep is one of my favorite people in the world shouts out Marita uh because she just like takes care of me like she's my mom or big sister when I'm down there and so that's kind of what makes our job is when we have a, a company person that we love that we get to go visit LA is like that for me too I have a lot of friends out there what am I what am I drinking next because you see one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to ask you <laughs> you know people like you what what to sip on next? I love that ten. I can see how that is your dad's, uh, you know, daily sipper. And and before before you tell me what bourbon to drink next, uh, one one thing that I really love about you know about Russell's and and Wild Turkey for that fact, it's it's that you can find it. There's so many bourbons out there that get this this because your bourbon has a great reputation already. Yet it's still it seems to me like I'm not. You know, it may not be at one store or the other store, but I can always find within three stores, I can find some expression of it. It's 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 something that um, that's comforting to me as opposed to falling in love with a bourbon and then you fuck, I can't find it anywhere. Uh, so that's something beautiful. Sorry. What am I drinking next? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right with you. Um, two LTOs because we've got two down. And we'll get two more, and then we'll see where we're at, because we can always go back to the the single barrels. Let's go to the thirteen next. Um, You're speaking my, my language because the the, the color on this is just stunning. When I poured it out, I was like, "Oh man, the color on this baby this is just amber. It's gorgeous. It is just beautiful." On this the is uh, this is what I consider to be the best whiskey we're currently doing. Um, it, it's that good, I think. So. I could take credit for coming up with the idea of Russell's 13. Um, I've heard people take credit for uh, coming up with Russell's 13 out there, but the guy that actually had, had came up with the idea originally didn't even have anything to do with the whiskey or the blend. It's a guy that works at a distillery named James Toby. And I saw him today. It made me think of this. Um, he was the very first person that went to our brand manager at the time and just said, Hey, uh, random marketing guy, we have, a lot of old whiskey that we're blending into stuff like Russell's 10 and rare breed. I think you all know that. Like there's a lot of 13 to 15 year old stuff being blended away. And I think we have enough stock. If y'all wanted to do something, we could. And so at first we thought maybe we'll do another, like a master's keep and we'll utilize that liquid, but there was actually quite a bit of it. We could do like an, an annual thing. Um, we shopped back and forth what we should do. And then we, we, we kind of landed on the idea that we would do these kind of yearly batches and they would all be just a little bit different each year. And then we thought, well, we need to do that on the Russell side, right? Because Turkey, you know, consistency. Russell's is kind of our thing. So we found these 13 to 15 year old barrels. We kind of fell in love with them. Um, and just so happened that inventory uh, also let us know that we had some older stuff in stock. So the very first blend was super special because it was like 160 to 170 barrels blended together but right around uh 40 of the barrels were 19 years old nice. they were left over from some old ltos and stuff and so it was one of the oldest blends we'd ever done for special started we sold it uh <laughs> bless campari's hearts as we would say here in kentucky because they uh they put it on the shelf the very first time for 70 dollars and uh it was being sold the next day for 600 online <laughs> um so yeah i the, saw that the, yeah the Whoa. nerves went real quick um, so it's really hard to find originally. Now they have taken the price up to, I think it's like 100 or 120 now, which it's still, you can't find it hardly, but because um, people are uh, selling and trading and buying it up as fast as they can, it is really good. But the the one that we'll be trying, the one that they sent you will be this year's, or what, not this year's, I guess last year's now, the 2022 plan. Um, yeah, and your little uh, cool, they wouldn't even send you a whole bottle of that. Was no, I was, I was like, what is this shit? <laughs> 
Like, really? It's so hard to find, we can't get it. I, oh. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> That's I, funny. I, I was That's like, funny. I was like, okay. I mean, I'm, you know, beg- beggars can't be choosers. That's why I'm like, there's like, I got a dropper and I put a few drops and I'm just kidding. That's so funny. Hey, <laughs> that's a, that's a teaser for our YouTube channel. If y'all want to see what just happened, oh, <laughs> get on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Watch that video of Eddie pulling out. Look at this thing. Bottle. Look at this thing. He, he's used to the smaller one. It's, it's the fun size <laughs> bottle. Thanks, Megan. Don't get me started with you. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, but the one the one you'll be drinking, actually is older. I went for a whole year on the road in 2021 and told people like, hey, if you get a bottle, drink it slowly. I don't like the I don't like when people buy a bottle and just sit on it. If you're buying a an alcohol, drink it. That's what it's made for. Absolutely. Like we, to be real, we haven't had a lot of people in the alcohol industry ever come on and not say that. Like, so yeah. what people are doing, listen to these professionals, you guys, like you could die tomorrow, drink it. Well, we make it. I, I had a chef tell me this one time. He said, it's so weird to me. Now you can't sell a used cheeseburger for $600. So that is different. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. You know, it would yeah. be like making a, going to McDonald's and buying a cheeseburger and then just putting in your closet for eight years and not eating. Well, the thing is, have your eight year cheeseburger, please. I've seen what they do with McDonald's cheeseburgers when they put them away for eight years and they look identical. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Um, but yeah, we, we make this stuff to drink and I told people drink it slow because we might not ever have that old liquid. It'll never be this old again. I think was the exact quote that somebody got me on. And, um, I was technically right because the one you're drinking is even older. I didn't realize there was that much of that old liquid left. But the one you're drinking is, again, about 165 barrels, so pretty much the same as the first one. 41 of the barrels are actually 20 years old. They were those 19s that we'd use the first time, just a year older. And then an additional almost 20 barrels of 18-year-old. So it's 13 to 15, and then some 18, and then a lot of 20. It's the oldest blend we've ever done at Wild Turkey, that 13 to 20-year-old blend. And it's an annual product. That's the thing that I think really surprises people is they'll hear about Russell's 13, or they'll end up with a bottle and they'll think, man, this is an awesome one-time deal. It's not an LTO. It, it's it's an annual thing. It's a permanent part of our portfolio right now, as far as I know. Yeah, just from uh, you know my my first in, initial sips, this is a little bit higher proof. I believe this is 110 uh, versus the 90. I'm higher than that. I believe it's, I believe it's almost 115. It's 114.8, yeah. Oh, um, no. Yeah, sorry. It's the bottle is so fucking small that I <laughs> it, that six looks like a zero. So it is one... Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so yeah sorry. <laughs> I I, I can't I don't have reading glasses I can't see this shit I don't even wear reading glasses but after this I think I need them. Uh so yeah, I'm, but it is it's great. It's big, full body. Uh, compared to the ten, it's it's a little bit more in your face, but it's full of flavor and it's got this awesome. I think uh because of that twenty, it's got this awesome blend of like old, mature, and not in a bad way, but like mature on the on the line of being a little bitter almost even oak, but then that young whiskey that's pretty sweet and more, you know, caramel, chocolate, nutty. And that just all like comes together to make, I think the best whiskey we've got. It's so complex and well-rounded. Um, it, it's like my personality. Dad's quote was if he could make like all his whiskey taste like that, then we'd be in good shape. Well, so are you, you guys are based in Lawrenceburg. That's where the, Kentucky? well, the, so people where I'm from would take offense to that because okay, they, I don't know, I don't no, know. I'm from Lawrenceburg. That's the city where okay. I'm from, and it is the county seat to in Anderson County. But the 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 story is actually in a tiny little community called Tyrone. But we say Lawrenceburg on the bottles because Tyrone's only a few hundred people. So okay, so we if I if I was visiting that area, I'll say area instead of specifics. What 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 else is there to do in your area other than the distillery, obviously? Um, so distilleries. So distilleries. us four, four roses is actually in the same town we are. Yeah, I they're visited just, you and say and they're not roses technically in day. town either. They're on the other side of the county. Um, but they're 10 minutes away this from us. getting complicated. I'm uh, scared. But, well, 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 but any Kentucky people that listen to this podcast, they'll get a chuckle out of this because the county is very important, uh, okay. way more okay. than the city. I'm writing Buffalo, it down. <laughs> Buffalo Trace, Woodford, all these are within 15, 20 minutes of us. But in my opinion, probably the coolest thing to go visit in Kentucky um, that a lot of people like to do, at least, is Keeneland. Um, it's a historic horse uh, racing track. And the thing that kind of makes Keeneland different than the rest is it's a nonprofit or it's ran as a nonprofit. So 
all the excess money goes back into the uh, the appearance of the park and stuff like that. And so Keeneland looks like it's straight out of a, a picture book from the 1800s or something. It's like this beautiful pic- picturesque um, flowers and the the shrubbery and the greenery is amazing. And then you'll find all walks of life in Kentucky. You're going to find people from the city. You're going to find people wearing bib overalls with no shirt on underneath. <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to have it all to the expensive cigars to the chewing tobacco uh, is what I've heard somebody saying. You will. Keeneland's a, a really fun place to go. And then um, the good thing about Kentucky, we're really small. Uh, so if you're in Lawrenceburg, you're an hour away from Louisville uh, or you're 30 minutes away from Lexington, which are the, the two cities in Kentucky. And both have awesome food, Bev, yeah. um, really cool bar scenes. Louisville's amazing. My mom, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse in Louisville for a long time, but that was back wow. in the 80s. It was a, she said it was pretty rough, at least yeah. in that job field. <laughs> well, Louisville's changed a lot. Louisville was a pretty, uh, it has had a, a, a troubled past or a little troubled history. Yeah. Especially in the 80s, early 90s and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but Louisville is a, awesome city right now it's a i think one of the up-and-coming cities you can still afford to live here unlike a lot of cities in the united states and the the bar and food scene here i think uh is really good compared to how many people live here so so for the for the the tiny bottle of 13 that was sent to me um it's like the barbie barbie playhouse size bottle uh no so it has a like you said it has a 13 year designation on it but there's some older bourbons in it how does the how does the blend make the distinction of what year is going to be on the label percentage wise does it have to be above a certain percent to be a 13 uh how does how does that work my i'll tell you the real answer if you ask jimmy that question he'd say when it tastes good that's when he knows so okay um but as far as the blend, if it has an age stamp, so we, because it's Russell's 13, or if you look at Russell's 10 or Russell's six, when you have that age stamp, that's the youngest liquid that's allowed to be in that bottle. So just because it says Russell's 10, that doesn't mean it's 10. It could all be 40. It's not. Okay. <laughs> right. so I didn't, I learned something. I didn't know but that. Yeah. It's the minimum age. And we're the only alcohol in the world where that's the case. In other alcohols, okay. let's say rum, for example, where there are not as many strict rules, no, we're no. regulated by the federal government because we're the only native spirit to the U.S. So they determine everything we're allowed to do, which is probably good because we would cheat if we didn't. Oh yeah. Um, but like for rum, if you see some rums will say like forty-year-old rum, that it could have just a little bit of forty-year. It could have you know one percent or less of forty-year, in some cases, and then very young rum. So, but for bourbon, it's not the maximum age that's in there. It's the minimum, minimum age that's allowed to be. So it could be older, but you're basically just saying, hey, this has a 10 on it. Everything in here is 10 or older. So for 13, we really work off that 13-year-old base. So most of it's 13, 14. And then you'll just add older whiskey to um, either add flavors you want, or sometimes you'll add whiskey to what we call round out the edges. Mm-hmm. So sometimes old whiskey will be a little bitter or um, almost some people call it tannic. It's like just wood. And so if you add young whiskey to it, it can round that out and add some sweetness. And in reverse, if you've got a young whiskey that hasn't developed enough sweetness or barrel characteristic, you can add some older whiskey and kind of round that out. So it's about finding that sweet spot and it's totally subjective. The, the making of the spirit is totally automated. A computer program runs our distillery every day. Um, it doesn't work like it should all the time. Uh, cause nothing I guess does, but <laughs> it should run itself 24 seven. Um, and we have people that supervise it. You know, the union people that work in the distillery are mainly supervising um, a panel uh, and stuff like that. If they're working on the distilling part, but the blending and the aging, that's not hard science yet. Nobody really knows how to do that automatically. So that does take a team of people trying stuff and just as a group coming to a consensus, we think this tastes the best, which is the best part. It's the most fun part. Well, that's the fun part. What is what is the most challenging part to deal with? Uh, is it you know has has the change in weather affected anything as far as because I know a bunch of my friends in the wine industry, there I mean things are changing weather wise and they're really making those adjustments. But I don't know enough about the the whiskey business to to to, to figure out what that is. What what's the biggest challenge? So weather. 
I mean, long term will probably affect us, like the climate raise, the temperatures rising and stuff. It, it will have a long term effect, but it would be three, four generations away, I think, before it will have an impact on us. Um, I didn't know a lot about wine um, until somewhat recently. I've learned some. I'm um, actually trying to get a uh, distilling wine and brewing science certification from Kentucky, University of Kentucky. Uh, um, which I've already got a degree in other things, but I want to shore up, you know, the the technical side of mm-hmm. my knowledge. And we've learned a lot about wine recently. And one thing that I've learned is that grapes are very, very sensitive. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> we got snow here, uh, this week. So yeah, grapes have been real, you know, well, there's no grapes on the vines right now, but we got lucky. Yeah. We, uh, we, you know, watch some winemakers talk about even just one 10 degree drop that was unexpected throughout the year. It could ruin, uh, you know, your plans and stuff like that. For us, that doesn't matter because we're buying grain. We're buying corn, rye, or malted barley, and grain can keep for long periods of time. We can buy and store if we need to, so we can buy up when times are good. Or, um, but I guess the hardest part for us is we only buy non-GMO corn, and so sometimes, you know, there's difficulty in that because um, most people don't grow non-GMO corn. And so uh, the corn mill we go to, I think, might have had trouble supplying non-GMO corn back in the day. And that's not because we've taken a stance against GMOs, to be honest. Uh, there's no discernible difference in flavor, as far as I can tell, or any of our people can tell. But my granddad doesn't like change uh, so uh, at his <laughs> distillery, so we haven't changed. Uh, he calls them generically modified organisms instead of genetically. Um, so I don't, maybe we've got brand name and everybody else is using generic stuff. Um, I would say the biggest... The biggest problem for us right now is just the way that the world currently is. And what I what I mean by that is ever since the pandemic ended or even before it ended, like, you know, uh, you all probably know this as well. If you tried to order something that used to take a week, now it takes three weeks. Um, and the whole world is kind of still like that. And so for somebody like us who is so dependent on other people sending us stuff or partnerships, whether it's trucking our stuff in and out or delivering glass or cork or getting people to send labels on time or, you know, all that kind of stuff has become so much more difficult uh, in our side, in our, in our industry and most other, every other industry, it's called product supply chain. And our product supply chain is an absolute mess right now compared to what it was pre pandemic. It's just really hard to get things sent from point A to point B or get people to drive a truck from point A to point B the, the way we were. Um, And so I hope and the biggest problem that I've seen for some of it is just like people don't people have realized that their time is worth a little bit more money than they thought it was in the past. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as easy probably to find a dude that's going to take not very much money to drive that truck down in Mexico to bring us our glass or whatever it is. Um, And so we've got to find alternative ways to get our stuff going because that's that's the biggest problem. And it's not just for us. That's everybody in the alcohol industry. We hear yeah, we, problems with shortages all the time. We had a guest on who started a hard seltzer company. Um, he was right, you know, he was ready to go. And then that pandemic hit and he still kind of went for it. But the aluminum shortage and yeah, cans are almost impossible to find. He had someone I, I think he had a truck driver, like literally like leave the truck in the middle of the United States and like walk off with a full truck of product. Like it, he said, it's just been insane. So I feel you. Well, lucky for Bruce, yeah. uh, Matthew McConaughey is one of the spokespeople for, for Wild Turkey. So you could just get Matthew behind the wheel of a truck and <laughs> he, he might be like in his he underwear could, playing he drink, bongos. He could drive a Lincoln, maybe. He can drive a Lincoln with like four cases with of bourbon. one of each and that little bottle. <laughs> yeah, how many of those little bottles fit in that Lincoln Navigator? That's what, that's what I, I don't even do. Does Lincoln still make the Navigator? Oh, uh, those Navigators are big. <laughs> those are big. <laughs> They're boats, for real. Um, I, I was I was curious because, yeah, um, so, you know, you're trying to remember if you mentioned it or if just that I know about it, uh, you know, the relationship between uh, Campari and 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 uh you know and and wild turkey and russells do you f- how has that made th- how has that made things better and i'll use my example just because i've i've been to kentucky and i've done the bourbon trail and i remember going to to beam and jim beam and you know going through that experience and going into the barrel rooms and seeing barcodes on everything and you know the folks working there telling me that now barrels don't go missing because it's you know, because Suntory owns them and the Japanese don't don't fuck around like you you know where every barrel is 
everything is just catalog you know cataloged and how how has that made uh, you know how has that made the industry better at least at least within your eyes um i think that the influx of money and excitement and just consumers people just used to not care about what we did um so there are pros and cons but i think 95% of it are pros i mean we're all in a place where we're very poor kentucky we're all now able to make good money at these distilleries and they've really helped out our state. I mean, even when I started, there were less than a dozen working distilleries. And now there's, I think there's like over a hundred or something like that now in the, in the, just yeah. our state. And you see them popping up everywhere. So I think that's awesome. I think the big companies coming in, because any, any kind of industry where people start making a bunch of money, big corporations come in and buy up those companies. Um, this is not unique to us. What is unique is that it took us all the way until now for that to happen in our industry where that's happened, you know, in beer and in wine and stuff like that a long time before. Um, parts of it are really good. And I think most of it is really good. They're really good at uh, reaching our customers where we could not. Uh, marketing. Designing branding, new labels, maybe. Designing labels, <laughs> yeah. Putting the bells and whistles. They're yeah. really good at the bells and whistles. And I think... Campari is probably the best company to to have purchased us of all the big companies. One, Campari, they like to call themselves the biggest small company. And it is ran very much like a small company. As somebody that grew up, uh, you know, around small distillery operations in our state, um, and knew a lot of people that were doing small businesses. And they're Italian. And so they don't have a history of making whiskey in the same way that Centauri does or that a Japanese company does. So they're pretty hands off as far as our production. You know, they uh, if I've had people ask all the time, well, how how would I ever know that Campari is not completely changing up the wild turkey DNA or whatever? You know, I might not have anything to I might not have any say about price points or anything like that. But if you if you think that we would stay around and like with them changing our thing, then they don't know us. Because uh, we would, if you see us leave, that's when you'll know that they've completely changed the DNA of Turkey or something like that. But if we're still here, we really do believe in what they're doing. And they let us kind of do our own thing for the most part. They don't let us do everything we want because we would lose a lot of money if we did. Because um, <laughs> we'd sell like one really awesome thing for one dollar, you know. Um, this is going to be so cool. Yeah, one dollar. <laughs> they, uh, they're really good to us and uh, uh trust me we were scared in 2009 when they bought us because i grew up with another company owning us and we, we you know you know what the faults of the person you're with are and so sometimes it's scary to go to the next thing because you're like well maybe you know same kind of thing we were scared because we didn't know what their faults would be and um campari has been nothing but but good to us and good for our brands and um we didn't have stuff like russell's 13 or rickhouse before them so i'm really glad that that they've done it. And before I, before we end or do anything like that, let's definitely try this Rick house. Yeah, um, for sure. I, and I was, I was going to tell the folks listening at home, uh, I've been to, uh, to, to the wild Turkey distillery and I've done the tasting experience there. I mean, I remember my, my host, uh, he looked like Sammy Hagar, which is kind of awesome. But besides that, uh, it is, it is like a state of the art facility. It's a beautiful place to go to with that. That's one of the cool things about the bourbon trail is that you'll go from, your your real real smaller let's say experience there's not really that many small experiences anymore but you'll you'll go from your smaller experience from when i went it was like a willet was like a real small experience uh buffalo traces this gigantic experience with so much stuff to do within the facility and then wild turkey was like right in the middle but it was just such a such a stunning place and uh i don't know I, i encourage anybody who if you like whiskey do do make your way out to to Kentucky and 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 hit up a distillery a few a, a handful of them uh my you know my and I want to ask you about this because is it feasible to make cuz this is my biggest pet peeve with with uh especially since you're getting into wine my biggest pet peeve when I was in Kentucky and going through these experiences for the most part not every distillery but for the most part I was drinking the same thing that I could buy at the store at the distillery. And the only thing that really was different was who was hosting me and where, where the location was. Um, as where if you go to wine, 
man, you'll go to, you know, you'll go to a vineyard somewhere and, and they'll not make enough of this that's only the whatever wine that's not in distribution. You know, you can only buy it at the distillery, that kind of thing. So it really encouraged the public to go check it out. Is there anything feasible in the whiskey industry that can kind of create that for people? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, Jim Beam's kind of maybe doing something like that a little bit. They got that um, that experimental still operation that they've got, which uh, their current master distiller, Fred No's son, Freddie No, um, has taken over as master distiller of their experimental still. And so maybe they're going to do stuff like that. They've already done some cool, like, one-off little things out of there. Um, so that's probably the closest thing. But in whiskey, it's such a hassle um, to shut down your entire operation and then run something just for a weird visitor's experience thing. Got it. Or because times are really like, we're just not having to do that because times are good. Now I think I wish we would do something like that. Um, well, I've, I've experienced I've never been high West. About bringing out some before, before they sold the constellation, when yeah. you would go to high West, you would try Something there'd be some cool shit on the wall that they would just pull off and be like, "Hey, this is a really unique thing, and you can't buy this." Sorry, they're not trying to tease you. They're just like, literally, we made one barrel of this, and we just have it for here, and you get to try it. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was like my one, I would say, distillery. I guess guess our version of that would be if you come to the distillery and you're like in the industry or you're a media person that we know, and you come, and um, a lot of times we'll take people into. you know, a lab or a rec house and give people the opportunity to sample one of our favorite barrels, uh, which is a pretty unique thing. But as far as a, an expression, uh, we don't we don't even have a visitor center uh, open right now. We have like a little makeshift temp visitor center. But maybe in the future, there's always talk about doing specialty one off things. I think that we should use our visitor center as a, as an experimental place. So I think like you're saying. And I think this is be the best way to do it. If we have any kind of like we have ideas all the time that we're kind of scared to pull the trigger on because you're going to have to do a lot of it to do a release. But we could do just little small 10, 20, 30 barrel blends, some of them only in the visitor center as one offs. And it would give us a chance, I think, to to do some uh, more unique experimentation at our distillery that, you know, we might not want to be sitting on the shelves at a big box liquor store. Because um, we don't know if it's going to work, but if we sell it at the visitor center, people will just think it's really cool. It'll be a it's a win win for us. Either people are really into it because it's one off, or we find out people really love it, and then we could do an actual release of it. Well, it feels like a natural progression for people like Gen Z, who you know they're used to variety, they're used to like unique experiences. These are you know these are folks uh, uh, that maybe will never own a home in their lifetime. But they're going to travel and just live based on experiences. You know, I don't know if social media directs that because they see other people do it or whatever. And I don't know. I just feel like the whiskey industry, there's this beautiful opportunity there. I don't know. Maybe Campari, you guys are work with Campari. Well, shit. Every, every no, brand that they own, they have barrels. Let's age some of your stuff in some unique barrels from other brands that are, that are that align. I don't know. I'm just I'm like that. That'd be cool. I would try a bitter ass Campari barrel <laughs> aged whiskey. Why not? Let's try it. Well, they have the reverse. They have cascade Campari, and it's really good. Um, but the the thing I'll say, I think that Gen Z point you make is really good because I think that the out the spirits category or distillery anybody how you're going to win is to figure out how to sell to Gen Z um, millennials and above. We all have drinking culture mm-hmm. in our generations. Now, they we drink different things per generation. Right. We grew up uh, drinking different things. And and so we're attached to different brands. But Gen Z does not drink at the same uh, levels as the is any previous generation. That's a red flag. They drink less than everyone else. Um, And so uh, the, the alcohol, either the spirits category or maybe it's beer, maybe it's wine. I don't know. But whoever can connect with Gen Z, they're going to win the future because they're they're just so much out there to do uh, that they don't care about going to a bar in the same way that I did when I was 21 because there wasn't a, my phone couldn't do all the things it can do now. It was still a phone at that time um, and not a computer in the way that it is now. So, so sorry, Uh, I have the Rick house here. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. It's uh, Rick house, Nelson C. So we put this out. 
because um, we wanted to really highlight uh, our style of blending. And it actually came from the private barrel program, had a bunch of bourbon nerds that told us, you know, you all should highlight your best rick house. So good. We're like, cool, we're taking your all's idea and we're going to do a thing with it. So the very first one you're trying is uh, the Russell's Reserve Single Rick House Camp Nelson C. We chose this one uh, for two reasons. One, we thought the liquid was super special. And two, we were going to bulldoze down the, the warehouse. It's not with us anymore. And so we thought, you know, let's let's utilize this warehouse one last time for a special release. So we did Rick House C. Um, it turned out to be very atypical for our distillery because while turkey is not necessarily known for its sweetness, I think this has a, almost a uh confectioner uh confectioner sugar whatever you call it like yeah. that almost like powdered sugar sweetness um it, it's dessert like almost like a a pie to me um, i want to do an affogato with this i just want to i just want to pour like really an good. ounce of this over some real good like tahitian vanilla ice cream or just let me get ex- or even like chocolate ice cream fuck it this is really good this is delicious that sounds that sounds really good um and we knew we had a winner, and we're going to continue this as uh, just a one uh, Rick House at a time kind of series. So we do have one coming this year. Um, it's going to be our new, you know, kind of annual super premium thing. We've done this kind of thing in the past under Russell's. We did a Russell's Vintage series where we took stuff from once from 1998, and then a few years later from 2002, a few years later from 2003. Each of those was like 15, 16 years old. And then we released that, and then we ran out of really good liquid. So we waited a while, and now we feel like we've, you know, hoarded enough really good liquid. We'll be able to do another handful of years of really special stuff. There's so many. I I, it's, I almost, I, I almost like got a vision of like, you know, like Bubba Gump shrimp, the way you were saying, we got Russell's 12 years. We got Russell's thirteen. <laughs> I could, I could have you list that. Just like, <laughs> we got fried shrimp. <laughs> There's so many choices, guys. So many. Now, before we we get to our little our our, our fun uh, little last segment, I had one more question on on the technology of bourbon, because I yeah. because of what I do, I get uh, I get companies and brands kind of reaching out to me all the time, trying to pitch to me this piece of food technology, this piece of whatever. And I and I recently had a brand reach out to me, um, and they're really pushing hard on this. Speeding up the aging process of of X. I already knew that you were going to say it. Yeah, and so I'm just curious. I don't I don't know anything about it, and and uh, you know, to me, that's that could be really cool if it tastes the same. If you can, if you can, you know, expedite the the aging process of a of a whiskey. How do you feel about that? Is there is there something in that in that world that's feasible? This is a this is a. Well, disclaimer, this this is a personal statement. This is not a statement made on the behalf of Campari. Of course not. Um, their lawyer? Is there a lawyer? Think, no, no, but think, you know, this is literally, I'm just curious. I think it is not cool and uh, not good. <laughs> it's all really bad. I haven't tried anything it, yet, so I don't, I, yeah, I can't the, speak to it. The science behind it's, the science behind it's honestly not very good. Mm. Um, it doesn't work. Uh, all of the whiskey that I've ever tried like that, I've tried supposedly the best versions of that. Mm-hmm. All of it tastes poor quality. Yeah. Not that it's not my taste. It's just poor quality. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, if someone can develop something that tastes like that 10-year did, oh, yeah. and, we, <laughs> and we can shorten the time, you best believe we'll be doing it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if if it ever if obviously if it did work like that everyone would do it and so if you don't see right if you don't see us or Beam or Heaven Hill or Sazerac or Foros and any of the big guys doing it it doesn't work we've experimented with many different ways to um, flash age things as you or should speed up the process yeah because there's a we want to get that edge right mm-hmm. if we could figure out a way to have five year old stuff that tastes like ten year old we'd right. do it. And we've done everything from agitating barrels, you know, shake them to playing music in there to doing our own rotation a little bit each day to um, love it. The only thing that really does work that we've seen and it doesn't work in the way we want it to is to temperature control your own rick housing. And so if you super heat and super cool, whatever space your whiskey's aging in, that will speed up the process. The problem is. Mother Nature does a really good job of aging whiskey on average. 
And when you do that, it a lot of times doesn't end the exact same. And so, yeah, it's like, um, how does that affect angel share too? When you're, you know, when stuff isn't used to expanding and contracting that quickly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a scientist. Yeah, it, would, it would drastically increase your angel share. You'd lose more out of that barrel. So in Kentucky, we only lose about 5% of that barrel per volume per year, approximately. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if you were to superheat, you'd end up like, I know down in, uh, it's like a sister company of ours in Campari, Appleton Rum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had their 30-year recently. It was good. It is good. Yeah. They lose like double what we do out of that barrel. Um, so if you were to superheat, you know, and you, even if you did a short period of time, your barrel might only end up being half full. Yeah, that wasn't like supposed to be a gotcha question. I was just really curious about that because no. people reached out to me like last week and I'm like, what the hell is this shit? This looks ridiculous. It is really, it is interesting. <laughs> But it's 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 just not there yet. And so they will get people to buy in, especially people that are easily um, impressed by technology that they don't understand. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. Um, yeah. Uh, and so they'll be interested. But when you taste the whiskey side by side, even with like people's baseline, mm-hmm. right, like the stuff in people's wells, it just doesn't taste like that stuff. Um, what's like the low ABV it, stuff tastes, tastes terrible. We had a, a gentleman on the show recently, Souther T got in New York and we were talking about that and I'm, I'm yet to try something low ABV or no ABV that even remotely resembles the spirit it's trying to be. Um, you know, like you can throw enough botanicals in something and say it's a gin, I guess that might be one that'll be the closest one to work, but I can't fathom like a whiskey tasting like a whiskey in a non-alcohol cocktail. Yeah. Um, I've not had any that really do replicate, uh, the alcohol. Um, but I've had some that I thought, you know, uh, tasted well, like they taste good and they, they work well in a cocktail. Um, and you know, I I guess that's what people want them for. Um, I've just never, uh, been a, if I'm at the bar, I'm probably drinking. Um, so I'm I'm never going to go for uh, no ABV. I do really like low ABV drinks, but that's probably like when I say that, that means like I take I like taking shots of stuff like Chinar oh, <laughs> and yeah, Campari and yeah, uh, like bitters I love. So that kind of low ABV stuff or um, like a Japanese whiskey highball or, you know, something oh, yeah. like that. But um, that's more my. Yeah, folks, view. buy shots of Fernet for everybody at the bar. That is the that is the move. If you go to a bar and you want the bartenders to like you, just buy them all. Shots of Fernet. Megan, do you have some questions for, for Bruce before he goes? Yeah, real quick, because I know time's almost up. Um, <clears throat> first question, it's really important to me. Does Kentucky still sell flavored tobacco? Flavored tobacco? Uh, if there is a tobacco product that has ever been sold, it's still being sold in Kentucky. I'm moving to Kentucky. <laughs> the horses smoke in Kentucky, all right? We, g- we got rid of all flavored skull, and I'm sad. <laughs> no, but any guy that dates uh, you is really happy, Megan. Yes. No, I don't clear. use tobacco, uh, but I grew up with, you know, my dad uh, um, dips tobacco and my granddad chews red man. And I grew I am friends with a lot of people that, that smoke and all of them love coming to Kentucky because they say the cigarettes and stuff are so cheap here. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so cheap. But on top of it, yeah, California banned um, all flavored tobacco, no more menthols, which I don't smoke anyways, but I did, I did occasionally take a skull wintergreen pouch. I will admit it yeah, because I liked it. That would be pretty upset if he couldn't get his skull fine cut wintergreen. He can't, can't <laughs> yeah. out here. Don't send him here. Not do it. That's um, a- second question. What, do you have a weird reoccurring dream ever? I do. Yeah. And it happens to me probably once every two years. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like 12 years old again. And I'm at a summer camp and I've never been to this summer camp. And I do I have a, like, a weird recurring dream with recurring characters that I also don't know. I don't know the <laughs> names or anything, but I'd always remember waking up and being like, what a weird thing that that like camp counselor or that kid that I'm friends with in my dream. It's the same people every time, but I don't know. them. Wow, that is weird. I want to I wish I was your therapist. I'd dive right into that. Um, what's the hardest thing you'd have to give up if you had to give up something? Uh, probably my dog. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking to two doggies. Yeah, you're talking to two, <laughs> two no, doggies. He's sleeping here. in my bed right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a good answer. Um, what is the easiest thing you could give up right now? You just be like, "Fuck it, I don't want to do that anymore." Um, 
<laughs> big car. He's like being my car. commute to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it sucks. In Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's only an hour there and an hour back, but. Uh, well, you know, Kentucky, you can you listen to Kill to the Bottle podcast off. each way, you know, get an yeah. episode in each way. Perfect. I do yeah. usually just listen to podcasts. <laughs> Me too. And the, the last question what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, probably a live fish as a kid. <gasps> Why? What kind of fish did you eat? Because I'm like, oh, like a little minnow or something. <laughs> okay. okay. It wasn't your, your friend's mind. goldfish you were pissed off at. That's perfect. Okay. It was a minnow. <laughs> oh, That's what you, said. <laughs> you know. You seem I'm too like, nice. You don't I'm seem like, like a psychopath. <laughs> 11 or 12, someone bet me, you know, that I wouldn't do it or something. So when you're like an 11 year old boy, you're like, yeah, I can absolutely i hope you made some money uh minnow down uh so folks please (laughs) (laughs) follow follow bruce he is a russell's rye guy on instagram please follow russell's reserve bourbon on instagram no no joke uh check out russell's reserve of course check out wild turkey i think bang for buck that wild turkey 101 is just like a it is a staple it needs to be behind every bar in the united states makes uh, I mean, it's 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 one that if I see it on the shelf, I'm I'm always uh, it's always happy to order. If I see it in the well, I'm like, I know this place knows what's up. Um, you don't see it in the well often enough because you know people try to go real cheap. <laughs> but when I do see it in a well, I'm I'm super super excited to see it there. And uh, folks, I mean, at least for me, I can always find uh, Russell's Reserve at Total Wine here in LA. But you know, I I'm I'm. Sorry, Total Wine, I love you, but stick your head in your local liquor store. Support your smaller liquor store if you can. Always try to do that. If you can't, you know, go go hit your Total Wine down the street. Uh, we end every episode the same way, Bruce. And uh, we only thing we don't get back in life is time. And Megan and I want to thank you and the audience for spending a little bit of their precious time with us here on Kill the Bottle Podcast. Please like, subscribe. And, uh, you know, when you, rate, when you review, rate review. Thank you, Megan. I always forget the rate review because you know what it is? Rate sounds like rape. So I, I that you know, always I'm always saying it with a T. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fair. But it's easier when you say it. OK, uh, Bruce, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I am in love with this 10. Those are the first. Well, I think I had the 10 at EO that day uh, and it, you know, it was it was hard for me to put down, but I hadn't revisited it since then. Um, and that 13 is a really, really special product. I'm going to keep my eyes out if it, you know, it falls into my lap somewhere where they don't know what they got and I can buy it at retail. So, uh, thanks so much again. Kill the Bottle Podcast. See you guys next week.